Well, uh, welcome to another episode of the Book of Sports. I'm your host, Tim Score. With me, as always, my co-host, Nathan Tipster Brewer. It's that time of the season, Nath. <laughs> exciting, exciting. Love a tipping comp. It is that time of the season. AFL finals are upon us this weekend. The Book of Sports exists this year uh, to track to this point where we get to the uh, the start of the proper season. One of the distinctive things about Australian sport is that when the season finishes, the season begins. Mm. And uh, we're looking forward to the AFL finals. NRL finals only a few weeks away as well. I'm not sure that the Raiders will be there. <laughs> no, no, they will not. It's but, very um, frustrating, yes. Yeah, so commiserations. But my Sydney yes. Swans are in the they AFL are. finals, which is good news. We have got news for a tipping competition. Uh, so I'm going to explain how that works before we get to your obscure stats for the final series, Nathan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So here's how the here's how the tipping system works. And this is uh, an open competition. Anyone who's listening who wants to get involved and send through your um, – Send through your tips. Put it on uh, anywhere. We'll see it. Get it to us, and we'll uh, we'll make sure that you are involved in the competition. So this weekend, so votes need to be in before the game on Friday night. So before mm. seven fifty on Friday, everyone needs to have their tips in. Here's how the scoring works. Each week, you tip the matches that are coming up that weekend. If you get the result correct, ten points. Pretty simple. Mm. For each game, you'll also nominate a margin, if you want. You don't have to, but there's nothing lost if you do try and get it wrong. If anyone gets the margin correct, 50 points. Bonus, right? Just just there. If you're, if, you're off, if you're off by one, no points. If you're off by 100, no points. But it's just if you get it on the money, then happy days. Um, and then additionally, so that's the main way that the tipping competition will work. Additionally, you will pick a premier. And if you do that in the first week, so if you decide this week, yep, yeah, I'm so confident, I know I'm going to use my premier tip and I'm going to put it in this week. And if you get it, if it ends up being right, that's 50 points that you'll get. If you decide to hold on for a week and say in the second week, all right, now I'm going to put this team forward and they get it and they're the premier, 40 points. If you do it in the third week, 30 points. If you do it in grand final week, 20 points. So that's how the, uh, the point system is going to work for our tipping competition, Nathan. And uh, yeah. I am. I'm, I'm nervous. <laughs> the reason why I'm nervous is because I've got my team in this final series. Mm. And any time that you have your your heart and your head involved in tipping, it's always a dangerous thing. Or in fantasy sports and you always have the team, the player who's coming up against your actual team, but you need that player in the opposition to do well to score fantasy points for you. And it's a conflicted universe that we live in. So yes. I, I'm, I'm nervous because... Right? I'm not quite sure what I'm going to say, but there's a part of me that is a little bit nervous and wants to tip the Giants for this week. So anyway, (laughs) we'll get to those games. Port Adelaide, Geelong, Sydney Giants, Melbourne, Brisbane, Western Bulldogs, Essendon. They're all coming up this weekend. But before we give our tips, Nathan, you've got uh, an obscure sport stat for us. Yes, I wanted to... I wanted to make you feel good about your Swans, even though they only finished sixth, which isn't the most promising sign for winning a premiership, but... I was searching far and wide to see, to find some obscure stats which point to Sydney Swans winning the premiership from sixth. And so I don't think I found any silver bullets, but we'll give a few. I'll just give you some. I can't give you any silver bullets, but I'll give you some words of encouragement. So first word of encouragement is that um, since the AFL uh, became the AFL in 1990, we are the second best 
sixth place team in history on 60 points. So we are the second strongest sixth place team ever. Uh, only, I think West Coast might have got 64 in 2016 and lost the sixth versus seventh game to Western Bulldogs, but that doesn't matter. Um, so we're the second, the second best sixth place team ever. Be encouraged by that. The last team to win a sixth versus seventh match with and last in to have 60 points in a regular season and then win the sixth versus seventh match was the Western Bulldogs in 2016. 2016 yep. So that is, there's your silver bullet. There's your best hope. So Western Bulldogs came seventh. That had 60 points, won the sixth versus seventh match and then won the title. So that's your, that's your, that's your probably your best hope. And then I've done some, in terms of premiers, the last, um, the last 20, I didn't count last year, so from 1994 to 2019, when teams have played 22 games a year, you want it, the magic numbers seem to be 60 points, 64 points, and 68 points if you want to win the Premiership. So 62% of Premiers have come with uh, somewhere between 60 and 68 points, and so the Swans have scraped in with um, 60 points this year. So they're in that 62%. So you're, so you're saying Melbourne... Can't win the premiership yeah. because they've overachieved. They've got 70 points. They've peaked too early. Statistically, they've just gone too hard. Um, there's only been one 70 point premier. So, um, but there's been seven 68, premier, 68 point premiers and six 64 point premiers and three 60 premiers. But that's the third most frequent um, uh, points number to win a premiership. So, those are my three obscure stats. I don't know if they fill you with confidence, but hopefully they've. They've warmed your spirits a little bit and given you a little bit of encouragement. And actually, in the last one, our real danger game is Port Adelaide. That's the only team that is on our foreseeable schedule that we haven't beaten. We've beaten the Giants. We've beaten Geelong if we get to them. We've beaten both Melbourne and Brisbane if we get to the final and are playing the other side. It's just Port Adelaide who we haven't beaten in the regular season. So if we can work our way past Port Adelaide... We should win a premiership. So there's a the other bit of hope. Work. This is not yeah. good work, Nathan. And, and I think you're onto something with this. So on yeah. the, uh, the, the success of the Swans this mm. season, um, if you look at the top eight sides and how they've fared against top eight opposition this year, very interesting viewing. So mm. Melbourne are in first. Yes. They're at first, you know, but as you've said, they peaked too early. So we can run a rule through them. I've got another reason why they're unlikely to win. Um, Melbourne, have, they've played uh, 10 games against top eight opposition and they've won eight, lost two. So they're first. Yeah. Third position. This is interesting. Third, the third best team in the top eight against top eight opposition, the seventh placed Greater Worcester Sydney Giants. Oh, yeah. A 50% record. They've won five, lost five, right? Mm. You think that's strange for the third team to be there, right? Second, the Sydney Swans. Played nine, won six. So that says to me, Port Adelaide, Geelong, Brisbane, the Western Bulldogs and Essendon have all lost more than they've won against top eight opposition this year, Mm. which is quite a staggering stat, which says the Swans have got what it takes to battle against the top. And I think Swans fans know that. They've seen their best this year and, and it gets us worryingly optimistic heading into a final series. The other thing, one of the stats that's been flying around is that if you finish second or third, you are statistically more likely to win the premiership than if you finish first. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know why this is. I don't know if this is the way the final series is structured, but I think over the last, it's either the last 10 years or the last 15 years or something like that, 
If you finish second, you've got a 33% chance of winning the premiership. You finish third, 33% chance. You finish first, you've got a 22% chance. Fourth, nothing. Wow. No one's won from fourth in that time. <laughs> Western Bulldogs are won from uh, seventh, seventh yeah. as you said. And But it seems 2v3 seems to be the uh, the hot game. And yeah. the Swans play the loser of 2v3 in the second mm. week, so the Swans can get into that stream. So, yes. again, yeah. cautiously yeah. optimistic. Last yeah. obscure stat for you, Nathan. I know this is your, your <laughs> segment and you've done extraordinarily well today, but I've just... <laughs> This is, AFL finals. this is my yeah. this is my yeah. my zone. <laughs> that was earlier in, in the book of sports this season. We've talked about grand final. Uh, sorry, um, after the siren victories, right? Now mm. Melbourne secured first place with an after the siren victory over Geelong on yes. Saturday. Amazing game. Max Gorn with the the kick out of the siren. That was Melbourne's very first after the siren victory. There you go. In Big. 120 years or something <laughs> that they've been playing this game. That was the first one. And the last team to win a game after the sign, which clinched them the minor premiership, was Carlton in 1987, I think it was. And they went on, and obviously they went on to win the, uh, the premiership that year. So yeah. plenty of obscure stats flying around. You can always find stats to back up your position. <laughs> that's, why we, that's why we find pro Swan stats. <laughs> they definitely exist there. Nathan... Yes. I'm going to hand it over to you then. I'm, I'm, tell me your tips. First yep. game for the finals, we've got uh, Melbourne. Um, sorry, Melbourne, Brisbane's on the Saturday night. And the Friday night is Port Adelaide, Geelong, which is mm-hmm. if the team who wins that, they're, they're pretty well placed, right? Yeah. To, um, to proceed yeah. through to the grand final. Interesting about this, it'll be the only game in the first week of finals that has home fans. Oh. Adelaide Oval will probably be at capacity for this game. And okay. so Geelong have to travel to Adelaide. And uh, play a hostile, a, a hostile, well, a, a difficult team in front of a hostile environment. So yeah. interesting there. Um, yeah. So that's the yeah. that's probably a statistically significant um, fact. I'd say teams who've played mm. in front of home teams this year have done in front of home crowds done pretty well. Uh, who's your tip? Port Adelaide or Geelong? Yeah, well, I'm going to go spice. I'm going to take Geelong. Um, <laughs> Despite all that, so I'm going to take Geelong by 14 points. So um, yeah, so that's an interesting, interesting take going against the home crowd. I just this Geelong played Port Adelaide this year and beat them, and um, yeah, so I'll take them. I'll trust them. Uh, it's, it's it's interesting. I my my hunch. So I think I look at the top four sides. I think. Melbourne's the only one that can win it. As I, as I look at, not looking at obscure, obscure stats, but looking at form, yep. I watched Port Adelaide versus Western Bulldogs on Friday night, and I thought both teams were pretty poor. I look at Geelong, and I think they've lost their defensive capability um, because teams have worked out how to play against Geelong, I think. I, I, I think Geelong could go out in straight sets, to be honest. Yeah, there you go. Um, well, if they, fall, if they lose... They play Sydney, and um, as we right. know, well, so they. If the, if the Swans win, that's sort of showing your hand yeah. in that game. So <laughs> I, look, I'm going to tip Port Adelaide in this um, okay. by 17 points, and I yeah. think actually no, let's say let's say seven, let's say seven, okay. seven points. But I think that um, I, I don't think that either will end up being the premiership team. Yeah. So, um, putting a rule through them at the moment. Yeah. I might change my mind next week and select one to be Premier. Let's see. Um, okay, so your team Geelong by 14. I'm team Port Adelaide by 7. Nathan yes. Brewer. The Sydney final in front mm-hmm. of 
10,000 people down at Launceston, this will be. Yes. Uh, goodness. I mean, there probably, there's probably a five-goal wind going on in that game, like <laughs> destroying the integrity of the competition, but no worries. Sydney no worries. versus the Giants. Who's your tip? I'm taking Sydney, and um, I'm taking them by 27. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Wow. Yeah. Very good. Look, I'm also going with Sydney. I'm not quite as bullish as you. I'm going to tip a uh, an 11-point win to the Swans. My... Like the Giants could could win this game, yeah. Make no doubt about it. Yeah. The reason why I say that the Swans are probably going to be without Josh Kennedy and Callum Mills, who are two of their more important midfielders at the moment. And the Giants' strength, like serious physical strength, is in the midfield. They're a they're a dominant um, midfield unit, and they could well get on top of the Swans in the clearances. It'll be the rest of the Swans' machine having to work and their ball mm-hmm. movement uh, from defence to f- attack, which will be the uh, ultimately. I think it'll be too much for the Giants. But if the, the higher scoring a game it is, the better that'll be for the Swans. The lower scoring game it is, the better that'll be for the Giants. So keep mm-hmm. an eye out on that. If yep. it's, um, if and they it's did a, pin, they did pinch one off us in the regular uh, in the regular season as well. So they did they did and and the game that the Swans beat the Giants, the Giants were up by thirty eight points at halftime or something like yeah. that. So. Um, yeah, you know it's 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 a very interesting rivalry, and um, the Giants will be well up for it. There might even be a couple of ex-Pennant Hills players in that team. We'll just have to wait and see who gets announced on Thursday. Uh, Nathan Melbourne versus Brisbane. Then this is on Saturday night. Um, yeah, one v four. This will be at Adelaide as well. <laughs> yeah, fans, but not home fans. Yep, yeah, I'll take Melbourne. Melbourne by eight. So. Closer game, my closest game of the week. Oh no, no, my next my next pick is closer, but um, I'll take the number one seed. And I'll... I'm also going Melbourne. I'm going to tip them by thirty nine. <laughs> I, I don't. Okay. I don't think Brisbane are. Um, yeah. They only just got over the top of. Well, they only just did enough to scrape into four against the West Coast. They, it was a thirty eight point victory, but yeah. um, West Coast are so bad at the moment. So um, yeah. I think Melbourne will do that fairly easily. There you go. And then the final game for the round Sunday. This is um, this is this is the, this is the beauty of sports. So the Western Bulldogs have been in the top four just about all season, and then because they lost to Port Adelaide in the last round, and because the Brisbane Lions beat West Coast by enough of a margin, Western Bulldogs have dropped down into fifth place on percentage. Mm. They lose the top chance. They play a rampaging Essendon team who are in very hot form, and. Um, well, I for one, I'll, I'll go first for one of these. I'm, I'm tipping the Bombers. I reckon Jakey Stringer will get them home. And I think they could do it fairly easily. I'm going to say a 25-point margin for the Bombers win. There you go. Well, I had also picked the Bombers. I'm just, just, just feeling it. And, um, yeah, Bombers also beat the Bulldogs in the regular season. Um, and so I'm, but I picked them for the closest, closest round of the week. So I've just got Bombers by four. So that's all I'm... So I've got, but yes, I'm also going to go eighth over fifth. Um, yeah. And maybe there's some bitterness that they beat us in the 2016 finals, uh, the Bulldogs. And so, you know, there's a desire to pick against them. I'm not sure, but yeah, I'll take I'll, I'll take the Bombers. And so we'll have a Bombers versus Brisbane round two. Very good. Yeah. I mean, speaking of obscure stats that we we've been fly, they've been flying around in this episode. Uh, <laughs> Luke Beveridge, the Western Bulldogs coach, has been the Bulldogs coach for I think seven seasons. Mm. In only one of those seasons has he won a final, and it just happened to be they went all the way and won the grand final in that year. So <laughs> it's it's an interesting record, and there's there's plenty who, who reckon that he's uh, you know he's he's considered to be one of the best coaches in the competition. But some say, well, 
you know, he, he got arguably got lucky in one year and um, yes. that has sort of helped his record disproportionately. Okay, so for those who are listening in, if you want to get involved, let us know who's going to win against um, in these, these four games. Nathan Brewer saying Geelong by 14, Sydney by 27, Melbourne by mm-hmm. 8, Bombers by 4. Yes. I'm saying Port Adelaide by seven, Sydney by 11, Melbourne by 39, Essendon by 25. The only one we're tipping differently than Nathan is Geelong, Port Adelaide, which will be the big game on Friday night. So as of yeah. Friday, we'll know who's ahead in the tipping, um, unless one of us gets the margin. Um, yeah. If you're listening, in, let us know. We would love to um, have a, a running competition through the finals, including your tips for uh, yeah. what's going on. Um, and we might even come up with a bit of a prize, Nathan, for the, yeah, the, tip, the Book of Sports AFL tipping. For the good. final series, that'd be good. Um, can I? Um, can I just? I'm. I'm going to throw in my my pick for the premier. Okay. Yes. <laughs> anyway, yes. And it's a crazy spicy pick, and it's going to blow your socks off because I picked against them in this week. I'm I'm picking Port Adelaide to lose to Geelong, and then win the premiership. So that is. Because again, the obscure stat: the most common win point to- point total to win is sixty-eight. Port Adelaide are the only team on sixty-eight. It's also common to win from second place. The obscure stats say, "Form be damned, Port Adelaide." Ah, uh, yeah, twenty twenty-one premiers. Wow. So, do yeah, if you're tipping, let us know if you want a premier as well. That's a big call. <laughs> to, to lose this week and then win it. Yeah, it's an interesting take, but um, yeah. It's uh, it's big, but I'm feeling good about it. No, that's good. I'm going to yeah. be a little bit more uh, cautious, I think, and putting forward my premier. Um, Port Adelaide haven't won a flag since 2004. They're in good form at the moment. They've got a strong list, but I think form can change as we run through mm-hmm. the uh, the month of finals. So, but no, that's a good look. It's uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that they're a particularly crash hot side, but they they are a team that could do it. So, thank you. Um, thank you. That's good, Nath. You've done well there. If you're listening in, let us know your tips. Let us know uh, who you are selecting your premier to be, if you want, this week. And we'll include you in the Book of Sports uh, AFL Tipping Podcast. Now, we've called this episode Prediction, Nathan, obviously because we're talking about predicting through uh, AFL finals. And we'll keep this running throughout the next three weeks, but we won't spend as much time on it each week. Um, The... Prediction is an L, is a part of um, sport that we love, right? Tipping competitions were the like the first foray into sort of social media when it came to sport, right? It was the first way that fans got involved in putting their mm-hmm. opinions in place in mm-hmm. competitions. I remember, you know, long before I had Facebook or Twitter or anything like that, I was in an AFL tipping competition. And um, why why is it that you think that we are so um, so eager to put forward our thoughts on the future and interested and impressed by those who, who can do it better than us. Mm, I think, um, yeah, we are captivated by it, aren't we? Fortune tellers. Um, I mean, yeah, I think it's just a, I think it shows shows knowledge. And so the human pride aspect is that I can show my knowledge and I can use that to predict the future outcomes. Um, I think, you know, both us being uh, Christian homes, like prophecy and predicting the future is is a part of scripture and it's a it's a big it's a big chunk of scripture and um one of the more compelling parts about it and one of the more convincing some people mock it, obviously, but one of the more convincing proofs, I think, for the reliability of scripture is it makes a series of predictions that all come true. Um 
and yeah and so it shows future predictions show wisdom they show insight they show knowledge and so it's exciting when as a human you can you can show some of that uh, and um and, and as a christian it's really compelling and exciting that the bible can consistently do it over and over and over again and get it right each and every time um you know so talk us through that nathan because because yeah. the, the skeptic will, will listen to that and say yeah well you know a broken clock's right twice a day you know, <laughs> if you throw enough things out there, eventually yeah. something will stick and if, as we look at the oh, we don't have any knowledge of the future mm-hmm. and yet we're sort of saying well this is what's going to happen and you know if you've plucked out a port adelaide six premier four weeks in advance then you know at one level that's impressive but at one level that's just dumb luck you know so, so for the for the skeptic who looks at the bible and say okay you know you can point to how many words are there in this book and yet you've got five things that have come through you know what's yeah. what's the response to that why why is the the bible um why does the bible's ability to show fulfilled prophecy why is that evidence of supernatural or um you know divine authorship Mm. or divine interference with the world yeah um it's it's a good question i think one it doesn't um it's not a whole book devoted to um, guessing in the future and just getting a few right. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of narrative. There's a lot of poetry and prose. There's just certain sections that are committed to um, predicting uh, predicting things and 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 yeah. And so um, so yeah. There's a small part of it, and then there's lots of things that they get right. And I think the most important one they get right is the um, the resur- the death and resurrection of Jesus, which is the central pillar of the Christian faith. That if you if you knocked that down, the entire Christian faith uh, would crumble as well. So um, historically, there's very good evidence that there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified, who was buried, and uh, and then there's hundreds of disciples who went from cowardly men to very brave and courageous men willing to share their faith in Jesus. And um, and what changed that is that they claimed to see uh, the risen Jesus. And they were willing, they've gone from very cowardly men to men who are willing to die for their faith and to not back down against even the fiercest opposition from both religious and um, political leaders. And so its most important prediction, the one that it spends most, all, almost all of Old Testament scripture spends its time pointing to, is a about Jesus uh, and his death and resurrection and they nail it. And I think there's very strong historical evidence if you want to dive into it to, um, to back it up. And one of the interesting things about that is that the people who saw Jesus' death um, and resurrection were very aware when they saw these things within their lifetime that this was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's not that someone's looked back on in all of history and said, okay, well, I, I can, these people said this and this person said that and this person said this and then Jesus died and this and that, that's a fulfillment. Like th- we've got the documents from like, the Old Testament existed before Jesus. He's quoting that and interacting with that. His disciples are doing those things. And then when Jesus dies and rises again, people put their hand, their, they put this together and they say this is the fulfillment. So I, I, I've been working on a sermon in um, 1 John 5 um, at the moment and um it links back to so John, who wrote that letter, it links back to his gospel. And at the end, when, when Jesus dies on the cross, um, Jesus' side is pierced with a spear, mm-hmm. brings a sudden flow of blood and water. This is John 19. 
And John says, the man who saw it has given testimony and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Now, that's a quote to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. And this is just a staggering picture because God is speaking in Zechariah 12. And he Mm. says, they will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. And so in that picture, you've got God, you've got a whole picture of Jesus as Mm. the son of, of God, who in the God who interacted with Israel in the Old Testament comes, t- takes on flesh and dies on a cross, willingly uh, okay with them, pe- with Israel piercing him and killing him. Uh, mm. And as he predicts his own death, he knows that his, his piercing, his death will be what brings life to everyone. Mm. Yeah, it's big. And I think. Um... I think also with um, Jewish people weren't inclined to believe in a bodily resurrection before the end of the age. And so it was a very, these people were inclined to be skeptical about a resurrection in the present here and now. And so he actually, it, it, it convinced skeptics that resurrection back in there, back in the past days with Jesus. And, and um, yeah, again, it's not, it's like you're getting, it's not, it's not something a man that humans would make up that a God would come and die. Um, it's just, we're not, we're not inclined to those sort of saviors and gods. We're inclined to powerful. Um, yeah. I'm very powerful, very majestic gods that sort of flex their superiority. Um, not gods who empty themselves and let themselves get pierced and look weak and pathetic. It's just, yeah, it's, yeah, to me, it's it's very convincing, and it's it's very it's very unlike humans to 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 invent a god like that. And um, yeah, I find that very compelling. And the reason why Israel know that they need a um, these prophecies to be fulfilled is because of their own sin, right? And in terms of the things that humans don't do in religion, religion tends to generally um, favor the things that people already want. You know, that favors their own. Um, you know, their own uh, preferences and their biases and their inclinations and everything. But all the way through, as Israel writes the Bible, mm. they're consciously talking about how bad they are and about how they've failed and about how they've broken away from God and that God needs to come and solve this problem um, mm. through this sacrificial death. So it's a, and there's a lot in there that you, you need to say there's a sincerity to what the biblical writers were were doing you know they're not willfully making this up they're definitely sincere in what they Mm. understand and either everyone's deluded and Mm. we and the 21st century have sort of worked it all out and we're the wise ones (laughs) and we're right or perhaps maybe we're the deluded ones if we if we reject it all and call it nonsense so Mm. um nathan i will call it nonsense if port Adelaide win i I don't think there's uh (laughs) There's any great insight that you've got there, a couple, other than a couple of obscure stats. But it's been an interesting episode, mate. Always good talking sport, yes, and uh, love good. talking prediction with you. Uh, for those listening in, if uh, thank you for listening. We really appreciate your patronage. 
mm. on this podcast. If you would like to listen to everything that comes out from the Book of Swartz, make sure you should subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. And uh, if you would like to, if you've been blessed by this episode and would like to share that with someone, we think that would be a, a great way to um, to share the love and get them all involved and get you involved in the AFL finals tipping on the Book of Sports. Nathan, it's been great. Until next time, see you later. Yeah, see you later.